Hey, Jay Calloway here, pastor of The Gate, and I want to welcome you to the Crowd Decor Weekly Podcast, where you can learn to walk in faith, favor, and a future that is out of this world. Our prayer for you today is that you will be convicted, challenged, and changed in Jesus' name as you continue in this adventure from the crowd of the world into the core of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Hope you enjoy the message. Everybody, I hope you are having a great, great day. Can you believe it? We are full on into uh, into September, and just in a few days, it's going to be fall, September 21. Don't forget it. It's going to be a great, great season, and I am excited about what God is doing. This is the season that we call harvest. It's a season that, that we uh, all push towards after the summer, after the spring, and we go in there, and I got to be honest with you, Vicki and I, we this is our favorite time of the year. In fact, if I haven't got a chance to meet you, my, uh, my name is Jay, my wife Vicki and I, we uh, lead this incredible, incredible church called The Gate, and we are so excited that you have taken time out of your schedule to be a part of The Gate today. And wherever you're at, if you're in a hub, uh, if you're watching with your family, maybe you are traveling, wherever you are, we just want you to know that you are welcome, and we want to thank you so much. You know, the Bible, I've said this over the last couple of weeks, but the Bible says there that those who diligent, diligently seek Him, He rewards them greatly. And when you take time out of your schedule to hear the Word of God, to go in and see what God has uh, for you, that's diligently seeking Him, among many other things. So even right now, you are doing something that God greatly rewards. So I want you just to put in your heart that I am ready to receive uh, the reward of God. And, and, and that reward could be many, many different things. And, but he wants to love you. He wants to reward you. He wants to bless you in incredible, incredible ways. Well, listen, how many of your Bibles say yes? Hey, if you don't say oops, well, get your Bible out and turn with me to Mark, the ninth chapter, Mark chapter nine, and we're going to look at verse 23. Now, we've been camping on this for a little bit, but we've been talking about this idea of the priority, the place, and the purpose of our belief. You see, many years ago, there was this saying that says, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. And we've been talking about that over the last few weeks. But I wanted to pull out that idea of I believe it because that line that says God said it, I believe it, that settles it, in many ways makes it sound like that our belief is conditioned on settling what God says. In the reality, it doesn't. Whatever God says is it, period. But where does our belief fit in then? Last week, we talked about the belief, or we talked about what God said. We talked about him saying, let there be light. And he brings clarity in the confusion, and he brings out the conviction through all of that. And then we talked about the idea of, uh, of, of God saying, this is my son in whom I am well pleased, that Jesus Christ is the ultimate authority, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, all of that. And then he finally says there that he is the Alpha and the Omega, that he is the one that begins everything and he's the one that ends everything. But today I want to talk to you about this idea that if our belief does not, does not dictate God's, uh, what God says and our belief does not dictate whether it's settled or not, then what is our belief for? Some people might sit back there and simply say, say, say there, well, you know, what's the point in me believing? Because, and, and I want to talk to you about that. And in, in, in Mark, the ninth chapter, in verse 23, there's this wonderful story about a man that comes to Jesus. And I've shared with you over the last couple of weeks about this wonderful prayer that he prays to Jesus while Jesus is standing right there. 
And he says there that Jesus, if you can help me, and Jesus goes, if I can, by meaning, who do you think you're talking to? I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the Son of God. I am the light, the let there be light. That's me. That's who I am, if I can. And then he goes on and says this in verse 23. All things are possible for them who believes. I think that that's something that we can really sink our teeth into. That idea that all things are possible for them that believe. Can I just tell you, we believe, we have a God of the impossible. It says, that, it says there that God is in, the, that he is in the impossibility business. It's impossible to walk on water, and yet he did. It's impossible to turn water into wine, and yet he did. It's impossible to raise from the dead, and yet he does. In fact, can I just tell you that God loves to deal in the impossible. He loves to deal that when you have nothing left, he fills you full. He loves to deal in the idea that when you don't have enough to make it through, he will give you abundantly more than you can ask or imagine. He will always go over the top. He will always go around. He will go through. He will go under and he will go above because that's the kind of God he is. He's the God of the impossible. But can we be people of the impossible? Can we be the people of all things are possible? We can, but that's where our belief comes in. And you know, every single week we say the believer's proclamation, and we claim that today I am a child of God, and we go on through that. And what happens there is, is that our belief, when it is aligned with what God says, then that begins to enact the impossible in our lives, but it also enacts the all things possible in our lives. And when Jesus says that all things are possible for them that believe, he wasn't saying that the things that God says now are true because you believe them. He simply says, there is the truth. Here is the truth. And you believe the truth. And then all things become possible for you. And I want to talk to you about that today. But as we are children of God, I want you to say it. I want you to proclaim it and shout it like you mean it and believe it. So say it with me today. Today I am a child of God. I have faith to move mountains, favor from the King of Kings, and a future that is out of this world. My foundation is the Word of God. My walk is sure. My talk is confident. My attitude is like Christ. Today I will hear the Word of God. Today I will do the will of God. Today I will be convicted, challenged, and changed in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you believe it? Praise God. Turn to somebody next to you. Give them a high five. Say, I believe it for you too. And if you're by yourself, maybe you know somebody out there that just needs a little bit of an encouragement. Why don't you share this post with them and say, I'm believing for you. that God is going to do an incredible miracle. And just share that out. Say, I'm believing it for you too. Amen. Well, I want to talk to you for the next few moments about the place of your belief. I want to talk to you about the priority of your belief and your purpose of your belief. You see, when we talk about this, why is belief so important if it is not conditioned on what God says or what God says is conditioned on our belief? What if, God, if what God says cannot be changed, then what does it matter if we believe? If God says, if what God says cannot be changed, then where does our belief fit in? It fits in for us. You see, God is a God that loves us so much that he sent his one and only son to die for us. But at one point, we have to believe it. 
At one point, we have to confess it. At one point, we have to trade in all of the things that are around us for that belief. Many years ago, we used to sing a song, I'm trading my sorrows, I'm trading my sickness, I'm trading all of these for the joy of the Lord. In other words, there's a moment in time where we have to decide, are we going to go after our desires or His? Are we going to go after our destiny or His? Are we going to go after our dreams or His? Because each one of us have desires. I want, you to, I want you to know that early on when I was a very young man, I wanted to be a lawyer. In fact, I went out and, try, and tried to become a lawyer. I went and, and applied to different uh, law universities. I, I wanted to be a lawyer so bad. And yet when I was 12 years old, God called me into His ministry, what I'm doing right now, when I was 12. He called me into it through a dream that I had. I don't have time to go into the incredible story, but it was a, one of those miracle type of things that I had no doubt what God's destiny, what his dream, and what his desire is for my life. But as I got older, I really found myself wanting to do something else. I wanted to go be a lawyer. I wanted to go do these kinds of things. I wanted to have my own dreams, and I wanted to have my own destiny. I wanted to have my own ways of doing things, and yet... God says, but I've got a plan for you. I've got a plan to raise you up, put on the top and not the bottom. I've got a plan to lift you up. And it's my plan for your life. I've written out your life. I've written out the pages of your life. All you have to do is follow them. But I had to come to a realization that if I was truly going to be happy, if I was truly going to be fulfilled, if I was truly going to be at peace, I was going to have to trade in my desire for his. I was going to have to sacrifice my destiny for his destiny for me. Every single week we say, and maybe some of you will say it every single morning, I have a future that is out of this world. That future that I have that's out of this world is the future that God has given me. It's the future that I have been that God has put on my life, not the future that I want, the future that He wants. You see, God has said many things in life, and we find that in the kingdom of God, there are things that will never be destroyed. There are things that will never, never change. We just must align ourselves with it. There's a passage of scripture in Daniel, the second chapter in verse 44, that talks about all the kingdoms that have been established in this world. Throughout history. And the word of God says there in Daniel, the second chapter, verse 44, it says, But throughout the history of these kingdoms, the God of heaven will be building a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will the kingdom ever fall under the dominion of another. In the end, it will crush the other kingdoms and finish them off and come through it all, all sit standing strong and eternal. In other words, God's kingdom is going to level all other kingdoms. It's going to crush all the kingdoms of this world. It's also going to even crush the kingdoms of the enemy. You see, back in, in Genesis, the third chapter, and I believe it was around verse 15 or so, it says there that, that God is, is sitting there and cursing the serpent. 
You, Adam and Eve have come in and, and the serpent has, and the snake is there, that, which is the devil, has given uh, Eve this uh, line of lies and line of temptation and everything else. And Eve get, grabs the fruit and eats the fruit. And Adam there in turn eats the fruit as well of what was commanded them not to. Remember, whatever God says is settled. He said, don't eat of the fruit. And that settled it. And, and, and Adam and Eve did not believe in that. And so they they go in and they eat the fruit and they line themselves up with the enemy. And all of a sudden, in the middle of that, God comes down and says there to the serpent, there is going to be one that's coming that is going to crush your head. You will bruise his heel, but he's going to crush your head. In other words, that's the same line that was here in Daniel, the second chapter, where he literally says that this kingdom will crush all other kingdoms. This isn't just the kingdoms of this world. It's not just the kingdoms of, 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 of the, the, the dynasties that have come across throughout man that is raised up, but it's also the kingdoms of darkness, the kingdom of depression and the kingdom of discouragement, the kingdom of, of terror and the kingdom of trauma and the kingdoms of, of, of fear and, and sickness and disease. That kingdom is going to be crushed by the kingdom of heaven. And God is building that kingdom right now. But the question is this. Are you going to align yourself with that kingdom or do you want to just build your own kingdom? You see, that kingdom will either come down and it will crush you or you will be broken on it. Either way, there's going to be a sacrifice. I choose to be broken. I choose to have my desires and my dreams and my, and my destiny broken on the kingdom and allow him to fill my life with his desire, with his dream and his destiny because his desires for me are greater than anything I can possibly imagine. His dreams are wilder than anything that I could ever come up with. And his destiny is always true and sure. You see, in Ecclesiastes, the sixth chapter and verse 10, it says there, whatever happens, happens. Its destiny is fixed. You can't argue with fate. You see, what happens in this, in this life is there are many times where we try to do it our own way. We try, to, we, we try to say, you know what, I'm going to be this and I'm going to do that and I'm going to go here and I'm going to go there. But the Bible says this, don't keep saying in a year I'm going to do this. Don't keep saying in a year I'm going to be there. Don't, don't share, keep saying all those, but say the Lord will. If the Lord will, I'll be there. If the Lord will, I'll be wealthy. If the Lord wills, I will be healthy. If the Lord wills. In other words, we're aligning what our desires and our future. Remember, we have a future that is out of this world. And we align it with him. Oh, but Jay, you don't understand. I was stricken with disease. That still doesn't matter. That doesn't change anything of your future. It's still out of this world. Oh, but Jay, I was dis I was, I was stricken with, with discouragement and despair. That doesn't change anything of your future. You have to align yourself with the destiny that God has for you. And sometimes that destiny will, have, will walk through the valley of death. Sometimes that destiny will walk through the fire. Sometimes that destiny will walk 
through the flood. Every single passage of Scripture that talks about, it says there that even though I walk through the fire, I will not be burned. Even though I walk through the flood. You may feel right now that you're being flooded and you're being overwhelmed with, with, with the, the enemy that's coming in and rushing up against you. But the Bible says there that even when the, when, when the enemy comes in like a flood, he will raise up a standard against it. He's going to raise up a wall against it. Can I tell you, many years ago, Vicki and I, we live in a neighborhood where we had eight feet of water in our basement. And it, we had to be boated out by the National Guard. And the reason we had to be boated out, we lost so much. Our, our, our house was completely flooded. We had, to, we had to completely redo everything. And the reason why that flood came in is because the, 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 the walls of the little river that's right by our house had deteriorated. There was, there was passageways through the berms and the banks there. And I remember that Sunday afternoon on September the 15th, 2008. And I remember walk, driving down and seeing all the water coming up. I remember sitting on the porch and almost helpless as we hear all of us in this gush and the water come from around the back of our house and the water was coming up in the front of our house and we realized we were surrounded and there was nothing we could do. And the reason was is because the dike down by the river had not been maintained. We realized that what was going on there is that the, that the walls were not high enough. And over the last several years, the Army, the Army Corps of Engineers has come in. They've redone the, build, they've redone the bridge. They've redone all of those things. And they're saying now that there would have to be a flood of 20 to 25 feet higher than what the last flood was. Can I tell you, you might be sitting back there saying, hey, I can, I've walked through all kinds of floods. I've walked through fires. I've walked through all those kinds of things. And, and what happened? I was flooded out. It may have been you were flooded out to show a weakness that needed to be shored up. It may be that there was a burnout because it shows a weakness that the enemy could get in. Now, there was that, that river's been all shored up. There have been many times where the river's gotten probably as high as it did when, it, when we flooded in 2008. But the water didn't come through. Why? Because there was a standard raised up against it. There was a standard. Can I tell you, God is always going to be there for you. When he says when the enemy comes in like a flood, he will raise a standard up against it. And can I tell you, he is raising up a standard in your life. All you have to do is simply align that belief with it and say, God, I believe. I will trade in my, my desires. I will trade in all of those destinies that I have. I will trade in with the plan that I have for my children and the plan that I have. I will trade in my marriage for what you want my marriage to be. I will trade in my finances for what you want my finances to be. I will trade in my body. The Bible says there that we will lay our bodies down as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to him, which is, which is our reasonable service. In other words, he's saying, I gave my life for you. The reasonable service is for you to live, give your life for him so that he may work through you to raise up a standard against the enemy even in somebody else's life. But what happens is many times is we have our own ideas. We have our own desires. We have our own ways of doing things. 
even that could be a very, against the very kingdom of God. There was a man in the Bible by the name of Saul. He ended up being named Paul. He became such a radical, radical Christian. He was so radical as a Christian, he, was, he almost single-handedly won the entire known world to, to, to Christ. He wrote over two-thirds of the New Testament. First and second Corinthians, Romans, Ephesians, Philippians, Galatians. All of these great words that we have now that are the foundation of our faith. He's the one that wrote down all of these things on how we are to conduct our lives with each other. All the kingdom, uh, the, the kingdom principles, he wrote these things down. But he didn't start out that way. He started out with a dream. He was a very religious man. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees, a Sadducee of the Sadducees. He, was, he knew the word and he knew the law and he knew all of these things. And when Jesus comes on the, on the, on the scene, he starts going like, uh-uh, no way. That's not the dream that I have. That's not the way things are to be. When Christ comes on the scene and he gives his life, there is a story in the Bible at the very beginning of the book of Acts where Stephen, the, one of the deacons of the church, he's the first martyr of the Christians, and he gets stoned. And it says there that Saul was there. And they were throwing their garments at his feet while they hurled stones at Stephen's head. Saul witnessed the death of Stephen. And that enraged him so much because Stephen stood there and did not cower. It enraged Saul so much that he's going, you're violating. You're getting in the way of my destiny. You're getting in the way of my dream. You're getting in the way of my, uh, of my desires. I've got a plan. I'm on the upward mobility for this influ influential region and this influential area. And, and, and my kingdom is being attacked. And I'm not going to let it happen. And he ends up becoming one of the greatest persecutors of the church. It is said of Saul that he would come in and he wouldn't just kill the, he wouldn't go and kill the, the leaders of the church. He would find their children and their spouses and bring them out and kill them in their sight. And if they didn't buckle, then he would kill them. It was almost as if the stronger the church got, the more enraged he got. And sometimes that spirit can come within us that the stronger God gets, the more the stronger he goes, the more we get we get more uh, almost violent or we might get a more stubborn. We get set in our ways going like, no, I'm not going to do that. You surely have seen people where they no matter how much you talk to them, you might be one listening to me right now that there's just something inside of you that's just stirring up and you're getting more angry and more angry and more angry simply because you do not want to sacrifice your desire, your dream, or your destiny in the, in, and trade it in for the dream and the destiny and, the, and, the, and what God has for you. But can I tell you, he's got a great plan for you. He loves you so much. After, after, several, after several tours of going around, Paul has found himself on the, on the road to Damascus. There was a great church and a great revival happening in Damascus. And he was sent with orders from the authority to go and kill all the Christians, to squash this revival, to squash this story, to squash down this kingdom rising up. 
And as he's going, he gets knocked off his horse by a bright, bright light. And all of the sudden, as he's doing that, he looks up and he sees this figure. And it's shining brighter than the sun. And it causes him to go blind. The Bible says that three days later, the scales fell off his eyes and he was able to see. And he realized he had come face to face with the risen Christ. And he gave his life to Jesus. He began as radical as he was against the kingdom. He became that radical for the kingdom. He spent three years in Tarsus under the feet of Gamaliel. And they began to study and learn and understand what all of this meant. And he became one of the greatest, if not the greatest, uh, apostles that we've ever had. Doing, making a difference beyond measure. He traded in his destiny. He traded in his influence. He traded in all of these things. He sacrificed all of that so that you and I could have the foundation of the faith to live by. You see, Paul's been dead for over 2,000 years. And guess what? We're still talking about him. He didn't go away in history as a known name. He didn't go away in history as somebody that didn't make a difference. You see, what happens when you trade in your destiny? What happens when you trade in your desires? What happens when you trade in your, all the things in your dreams that God has or that you have decided in your life? When you trade that in and you decide, good, something begins to happen and you begin to make a difference in your generation. You not only make a difference in your generation, you make a difference in the generation after generation after generation after generation that comes after you. And they'll be talking about you. But you see, at the end of Paul's life, in Acts, the 26th chapter, he begins to recount his story in front of one of the emperors. And he begins to tell the story of how he was on the road to Damascus. And he says something that Jesus says that we don't see in the account early on of the actual event. And he says this, that I heard a voice in Hebrew saying this, Saul, Saul, why are you out to get me? Why do you insist on going against the grain? In other translations, it says, Paul, why are you persecuting me? This is Jesus talking. Why are you persecuting me? Why do you insist on going against the goad, kicking against the goads? Now that, that idea of goad is literally, a, a, have you ever heard that maybe you've heard the term, it says he's, he's goading you, he's goading you. Basically, it's a prodding. It's just a little fork it's a, or a little poker that they would use for cattle to prod them on. Sometimes those are electrified and they'll just use it just to give them a little shock to get them going in a certain way. What can I tell you? The Holy Spirit is there in your life and He's goading you. He's just prodding you. He's poking you and saying, no, 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 go this way. You might feel a little nudge to take a left or you might take a little nudge to take a right or maybe you might feel and you're trying to go forward and there's just something that keeps pushing you back and it just keeps pushing you back and you're like no no I want to go this way and I'm reminded of the scripture in Ecclesiastes and I'm reminded of the scripture in Daniel that says this kingdom is never going to be defeated and this kingdom is going to crush all other kingdoms Ecclesiastes says there's a destiny that's been given to you. There's no sense in fighting it. You'll just be crushed by it. 
And can I say to you this, this may sound a little bit harsh, this may sound a little bit down, but if you keep trying to fight against the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and what he has for your life, it's going to break you. Can I tell you that if you keep trying to do your own thing, to have your own dream, it's going to break you. It's going to crush you. You see, the Bible says that, we, that this whole thing of God is a kingdom of kings and a kingdom of priests. In other words, every one of you have a, have a little portion or that you have a portion of the kingdom that you are raising up as a king of a kingdom. We used to say it there that, that a man's house is his castle. He's, his house or his family is his kingdom. And when you're raising that king, when you're raising and developing and, and building up that kingdom, are you doing it by trading in your desires for that kingdom, trading in your dreams, trading in your destiny for God's? Because if you're not, at one point, there's going to be a time where all things are going to pass away. All things are going to go. Everything is going to shift and change. And every single knee is going to bow. And every single tongue is going to confess that he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords they're going to confess that there is a name higher than any other name higher than your name higher than your kingdom higher than your nation higher than your family higher than anything else possible and his name is jesus every knee will bow and every tongue can confess but it's your choice today that you voluntarily bow today and trade in and sacrifice all that you have all your dry desires, all your dreams, all your destiny, and trade them in and give, offer them to Him as a living sacrifice. And He will pour, pour out on you His dream for your life. He will pour out for you His destiny for your life. He will pour out to you your, His, His, uh, His dreams that you have in all of these things simply for one reason, because you believed, you believed, you believed. And I just tell you, that at that point in time, what Jesus said is this, or what, De what Paul said is this, I had that moment in time that I had to realize that I was gonna get not only knocked off my horse, I was gonna be crushed by this kingdom if I didn't align with him. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Oh, many times we wanna walk through it and say, but look what I've done, look what I've done. I want you to picture in a moment, if you would, you may even close your eyes and picture a moment that God, you're standing before God and he looks at you and says, why should I let you in to my kingdom? Why should I let you in to heaven? Can I just tell you this? Never start with I. Never answer that question by starting with, I did this and I said this. I gave this and I did that. Can I tell you the way that you answer that question with God is that if he wants, if, if, if you want to find yourself in heaven, if you want to find yourself in his kingdom and he asks you, why should I let you in? Always start with this. Always start with Jesus. I, you should let me in because Jesus paid the price. Jesus saved me from my sins. Jesus took the penalty of death. Jesus rose from the dead. And the most important one of all is Jesus is my Lord. All you have to say is that I confess and I believe and I declare that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. 
and that God raised him from the dead. And what will happen in your life is you will trade all of those things that you are trying so desperately to accomplish. And he will begin to pour into you the abilities, the giftings, and all of that simply because you believed. And you will walk in and understand the reality that all things are possible for him who believes. Oh, I want you just to bow your head with me right now if you would. And I just sense the Spirit of God right now in that amazing conviction that He is the light, He is the sun, He is the Alpha and the Omega. And He is in this moment right now. And He wants you to settle in your mind that He is who He says He is. And I invite you right now to pray this prayer with me. Especially if you've never prayed this prayer. Especially if you're needing to trade in your desires your kingdom, your destiny, your dream for his. Pray this with me right now, if you would. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I ask you today to take my dreams, to take my destinies, to take my desires and give me yours. I will walk with you I will no longer run away from you. I will speak with you. And I will no longer walk away from you. Today, I ask that you will be my Lord and my Savior. For you are the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Son of God. And I declare that God raised you from the dead. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Hey, listen, if you prayed that prayer, I want you to know that we believe that you are born again, that you've just traded in all of that you want for all that God has for you. And we want to pray with you and believe with you in all of these things. Vicki and I, we love you. We care for you. And we just believe that God has an incredible, incredible message for you. He has an incredible life and a plan. And you truly do have a future that is out of this world. Listen, just stretch your hand out toward us as we want to bless you today. And as we go forward, that you would be blessed beyond your wildest, wildest imagination. I bless you now. I bless you in your families, your finances, and your friendships. I bless you in your marriages, that you would be a lighthouse to your neighborhood and to all around you and your family, and that your children would be blessed to the thousandth generation as you raise them in the ways that they should go according to the word of God. I bless you in your finances, that you would have more than enough to pay your bills and pay them on time, and that as you follow him in biblical stewardship. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Crowd Decor podcast. We believe this message has inspired you, convicted and challenged and changed you in Jesus' name. And we invite you to partner with us as we reach out and continue to reach out with the message of moving from the crowd of the world into the core of the kingdom of Jesus Christ to all of those around you and around the world. And we ask that you visit thegateonline.net slash giving to be a part of this incredible outreach to reaching those for Jesus Christ. Thank you so much. We love you. We appreciate you. And may you have a great, great day.